And I know we have a lot of things um, that we consider um, tidbits of transformation, mainly because you're a part of it. And that's, that's wonderful to know that you're, a, you're added to the work um, of transforming the city and that you have filled that little spot uh, where, where you become the, the ultimate link uh, of transformation within the city. And I know that you're advanced, and I know that um, Eric has great vision here, and, and rightly so. God brought him along just when um, we needed a, a, a real expression out here in this part of Oklahoma. And he's been able to maintain that delicately and earnestly pressing forward. And um, so I really, uh, I, I know you know what I talk about when I talk about transformation. <clears throat> But um, among our Native people, um, we are experiencing transformation. We, we, are, we I began to teach this as early as the um, 1970s, um, going into the 1980s, and um, talking about the possibilities of perhaps God moving sovereignly into a nation. Of course, we are nations defined by the U.S. Constitution as nations within a nation. And the nations um, um, are, that God assigned me to many, many years ago, um, I've been faithful as much as I can towards that and um, been able to see great work. But you, you all remember a few years ago when we moved into a reservation that, in uh, North Dakota where the, the suicide rate was out of control. You've heard that story many times and how we went in, dismantled this territorial strongman over this reservation was able to break that suicide and there has not been any suicide reported from the reservation uh, since that time uh, it's, it's, it's zero I mean we, we uh, this is <laughs> uh, this is uncanny because it was number one in suicide you say well how come so much suicide well the area is so isolated and North Dakota especially is, is very isolated itself and then um, the, the farming communities that do exist there are far in between, vast lands in between where there's actually nothing. And right in the middle of that is a reservation a tribe there that is experienced, had experienced all kinds of difficulties. Um, no economy, no e economics, only the government-funded uh, programs that come to all the reservations according to the treaty agreement. And... Um, and, and, but outside that, there were nothing. And, and the young people were so despondent that they got into teenage life, into their early 20s, and they just figured it wasn't worth it. And um, they didn't want to be a burden and, and, and go the way of their parents and grandparents and suffer all that time with nothing. So they just, uh, suicide was, a, a, to them, an honorable way out. We, we had a lot of study on that suicide epidemic since that time. And then um, we was able to put that down, and then the economics began to kick in. Uh, I, I related to you, I believe it was last time I was here, that, that they found 15 dinosaurs on that reservation. Um, and one of them is a, was one of them T-Rex, whatever they call that, <laughs> that thing that everybody's scared of, you know, huge, a complete one. I mean, and now the, the bid for those 15 dinosaurs is up to two billion dollars 
<laughs> and it is still, it is still, they haven't got the money across the table, but it's, it's assured there. They could go to the bank and borrow all the money they need against just what's going on. But the nations of the world, every country, are wanting a part of that because most of them are intact dinosaurs of every kind, 15 of them. And that came because of, a, 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 of the economics and they had asked us to come pray over this. So we went and prayed over that land, barren land. And, and, and to tell you the truth, um, if it hadn't been for my, in, my, for my uh, insight on the, on the suicide that we was able to deal with, I don't know if I could have had that kind of faith to look at this dry, barren, alkali land that can't grow anything, thousands of acres, and look at it and say, God, out of here is going to rise the wealth of this reservation. I was thinking oil and gas, and it didn't look like a good gold, gold panning area. And so I was saying, and they hadn't really uh, tested it a lot for um, oil and gas. And then so, uh, but as it, as it took off, it, they, found, they found one dinosaur, an ancient turtle, and huge. They said it was about 15 feet in, um, in diameter intact in fact someone else had found it and uh, maybe it was some wash away and they found it and they went out and they sold it some whoever it was they and then they tried to sneak it out but they got caught but that's what started the investigation and uh, uh, the university i believe of minnesota or uh, not uh, iowa des moines iowa they have an archaeological department they brought they came in and they began to investigate and and they uncovered uh Fifteen of them there, complete, and they ain't through yet. Uh, they're still going to uh, section it all. They got it all gridded out, what they call gridded, and um, next thing they're going to do is start going through it. But anyway, now, um, because of um, sudden boost of economics, a lot of things are beginning to happen. They're getting people that are wanting to come in and build resorts because it's on the Missouri River, great fishing, um, outdoor water sports and all of that. Never been developed. And now they're getting resources. Jobs are beginning to creep in. But you know what comes with economics. It's always coming the, the negative part. And it become a hot spot for drug dealing. And all at once, they, because of the, there was no laws to control that on the reservation, um, there was a lot of illegal, uh, what they call a meth lab, laboratory, where they, where they make all that stuff. And... Um, they didn't really have the teeth in their laws to deal with that because we're a sovereign, they're a sovereign nation. They have their own uh, 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 what they call uh, law, law and order codes and, and rules and regulation, and, but they had nothing to really put some, uh, some clamps on that. And it got worse, and it got worse, and the kids began to get involved in it. And there was, there was um, uh, reports that actually it was going into schools now. So... They had a new chairman that was elected in, and, um, of course, he faced the problem head on. And he said, and he, he remembered, because he wasn't there during the era that where we had dealt with that suicide. This was in 2001. He wasn't there during that time. So what he did was um, he was trying to look for um, why we had some dramatic changes there, like the ending of the suicide problem. So he researched it himself. And he found out what had happened. 
And then he also found out that it was the, the prosperity had come because the result of Christians going on land and declaring that the transfer of wealth should begin on that, in that area. And so he called my main man there. His name is uh, J.R. American or Junior American Horse. And um, I, I, I practically raised that kid from just a little kid. I taught him how to fish along the river there. Now he's grown up and he's a great man of God, keeping kind of oversight. And um, the guy calls him and he said, is it true? He said, I wasn't here during all that time that these happened. He said, is this really true that it was prayer and things like that? And he said, exactly. So he used it. He said, what if I was to introduce a resolution to our tribal council meeting this month and, and introduce a resolution and in it I would change and put laws in and, and apply it that, that we want this reservation to become a drug-free reservation. And he said, well, if you do it principally and built from the platform that we've already on, he said, God will honor that. So they framed it, and that, that um, session they came in, and guess what? They went in there, and it was a unanimous um, vote. The tribal council said, yes, that's what we want. Drug free. And it started with all the employees, every, everyone that was working for the tribe, whether it was federal or tribal program, anything. He said, report next Monday morning to the clinic for drug testing. And um, at first there was a little rumble out there for people. And, but what happened, they also passed the new or, ordinances. And they said that every person caught with drugs and taking drugs is an automatic six months in jail. No, no questions asked. You only have to go except to the, before the judge but to say, yes, it's the law, get to jail. And then the drug dealers themselves, they said three years confinement in the jail. Uh, and, and guess what? Those drugs disappeared. The drug dealers just packed up, said, we're getting out of here. They left. <laughs> and now, but now I'm keeping my eye on it because I feel that, that what we're looking at is transformation. We're looking at that. We're, we've heard so much about transformation that is not no longer a good idea. It's almost a mandate of the Spirit. This is why we have to completely pursue that. We've got to pursue the fact that you are here in Woodward and you've got one job to do it, to see your community transformed. And so today I want to, I want to start our, 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 my, my input study here in this conference um, dealing with the ites. Of course, the definition of an ite is an, an inhabitant, something that is, that is inhabited either by legal or by trespassing rights. Sometimes we call them squatters, right? We've got different definitions of uh, different people that moved into land years ago become squatters, but later on they, they, were, they, they, they got legal right to that land. But ites is just merely a definition of, and I like to start off with, <clears throat> with going into Ezekiel, the 16th chapter, if you'll just turn with me. And we'll start from a few scriptures so that there will be, this will be more definitive as we go forward. And um, I'd like to look at Ezekiel 16, 1, 2, 3, and 4. <clears throat> Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, 
son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abomination. And say, Thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem, Thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite, and thy mother an Hittite. And as for thy nativity, in the day that thou wast born, thy navel was not cut, neither was thou washed by water to supple thee. Thou wast wast, uh, not salted at all, not uh, at all, and not swaddled at all. In other words, uh, there's a different definitions. I'm trying to keep up with this one. I don't know if I got the same one up there. Not swaddled at all. Yeah, I guess that's the same. <laughs> so many ver- uh, different translations. You know, we try to keep up with the best we can to explain what we can. But anyway, it's up there. You can see that. But what I'm looking at now is that. Um, of course, we know that it, that Israel is a type of everything we do. In fact, he tells us if you want to learn how to not make mistakes, go back and look at Israel's mistakes. He said, all those things happen unto them um, for our admonition of, to whom the end of the world have come. And that's where we get our, our, our supportive system. We don't do as they do, but we, they, uh, as they did, but we do um, um, as they didn't do to avoid the pitfalls that they did. That's, that's a good um, way to look at everything that happened to Israel. Uh, and we, and that's why God was so metic- meticulous into into recording that, making sure it's all recorded and good and bad. I mean, a lot of people don't like reporting on their bad parts, uh, t- uh, parts of things they do in their life, but God just wrote it all out. You know, He said, "Just record everything, so that those future um, uh, people that's going to inhabit Jerusalem and in uh, the Spirit, He said, they'll have something um, that." They'll know that if they just study these things, that they will they won't have to make the same mistake. So we make them usually it's because we're we're not studying um, the many things in the Old Testament. Okay, now let's look at verse forty four and forty five of that same chapter. Forty four. And forty five. Behold, everyone that useth Proverbs shall use this proverb against thee, saying, As is the mother, so is her daughter. Thou art the mother's daughter that loatheth her husband and her children, and thou art the sister of thy sisters which loathe their husbands and their children. Your mother was a Hittite, and your father and Amorite. A lot of people look at that and they say, man, that don't make any sense. They're Abraham's children. Well, they said that even in Jesus' day, if you recollect. We are Abraham's children. He said, you're not Abraham. You're, you're, your father's the devil. That's a, that's a strong word to say against somebody, you know. Um, and But here we got to look at the reasons of what's going on. Now, here we find that a, a, a story here of, of how that God was going to begin to unveil some things where um, 800 years 
This is in Ezekiel's day. 800 years prior to that, they were giving a commission. Now let's go to Deuteronomy 7, and we can, we can kind of nail these down here as we go along. Very important that we, um, that we get a hold of this and understanding first, and then we can um, dissect it as we go along. And it says here, When the Lord thy God shall bring thee, this is verse 1, bring thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it, and hath cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites and the uh, Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hevites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. Okay, now if you go on to study those, the final word was that you were to go in and you were to utterly destroy these inhabitants that had had trespassed on the Abrahamic promised land. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, the Abrahamic promised land was now had trespassers on it. People who, who had come in and inhabited during the time that the children was forced to go into, into Egypt and then later wander the desert for 40 years. But now, um, the first time they came, we're finding that the order was when you go in now, you're going to go repossess the land. When you do this, you're going to have to fight against these ites. And these ites are the things um, that, that, uh, that have taken root in your country. And before you can actually get into um, the, the values of the kingdom of God here, you're going to have to destroy them. I mean, I don't want one thing standing there. I want you to go in and utterly destroy old and, and, and young and old and destroy their, their high places, destroy their worship centers and get in there and level them out. Of course, we know the story that they didn't do that. They went in there and they destroyed most of them. And they decided, well, it, surely God does not want to destroy these fine specimen, they can become wood carriers. They can become water carriers. Um, we can use them and make our life a little bit more simpler. And then, and then they looked at some of their worship centers on the high places, um, places dedicated to Baal. And they said, well, we, we, surely we can't de destroy these beautiful edifices. Look at them. They're so well made. I mean, we'll just, we'll just convert them. Take, take some of the things out, but we'll go in and convert, amen, these things and use them for ourselves. Well, that wasn't what God had said. So now, 800 years later, while they are in what is called the Babylonian captivity, and they are there, and remember, there's a 70-year period in there of captivity. There were children that were born, let's say they was in there 10 years and a child was born. Okay, by the time he's 20 years old, he's still in captivity. He was born in captivity. He was born a slave. His parents, his grandparents perhaps were still living, are all slaves. 
the priesthood that was once glorified in the in the temple are now and now carrying garbage and doing menial things in captivity. They begin to ask, you old men keep telling us of what it was like in the old days when God was possessing the temple and His glory was in there. And, it, it, and, and no nation could stand against us because God was working with us and God was working, amen, in our behalf. Why then are we sitting here in bondage? Nobody could really answer that, but, they, and, but Ezekiel was commissioned. He said, God took him by the Spirit, took him back to Israel, and this was just before Judah was taken into captivity. They were the only tribes yet that was not yet in captivity. They had been left for a while in Jerusalem, but now we see that, that Babylon was going to go against them, and they were going to destroy the temple, and they were going to uh, destroy the priesthood that was still existent. But before that happened, God took Ezekiel down there. He said, I want to show you why you're in captivity. I want to show you why, why you, are, you are growling in the dirt when I made you my royal priesthood. And the Spirit took him in, and he was seen. First thing he saw in the courtyard, the glory of God was there. Well, we know that the glory of God was, should have been resident in the, in the Holy of Holies, be inside the veil. We know that because we understood the tabernacle principles and later the temple principles of Solomon. And here he's looking at the glory of God. Well, what he was seeing was that the glory was leaving. It was now leaving. It had maintained itself as long as Judah was still in charge of, of some of the destiny in, during the captivity. But now it was going to be um, defrocked. It was going to be uh, devalued and God and His glory was leaving the temple and in the courtyard. And He said, come on, I'll, tell, I'll show you more things. Took Him into the holy place and He, he saw women in there crying and amen and, and they were mourning and they were, they were, they were uh, worshiping uh, idols and different, uh, uh, different things that was in the, in the, in the, in the holy place. He said, I'll show you great, greater things. And they took them in to the, into the inner temple. And there the, the idols were set up where, the, where, where God had, his, had that, what was called the Ark of the, of, the, of the Covenant. Everything was wrong. Polluting. He said, this is why you are in captivity. You can go back and tell those who are inquisitive. Those who are questioning say, well, what's the matter with God? How come? He said, this is why. And now we're finding Ezekiel here beginning to understand a little bit more about why things. He said, your mother was a Hittite. Your father is an Amorite. He said, you, he said why? Because you, you, you did not do what I told you to do in the beginning. You allowed those things to cohabit with you. You thought they were harmless. You thought there couldn't be any. Now when we look at these things, there's three levels I want you to, to, to kind of note. There's a personal level in revelation of this type. Personal level that comes to you, to me. That's applicable. In fact, the Bible tells us in Luke um, 12 and 19, he said, in your patience possess ye your soul. In other words, 
possession of your souls is an ongoing development. That's the only part of our body that has to be has to be brought under subjection to the spirit now that has come to reside in our spirit. When he comes into our spirit, what does he do? He begins the work of reclaiming your will, your soul, your mental uh, capabilities, bringing them out of the subjection of the, of, the, uh, of the dark side of things and bringing it into light and bringing it into the measure, amen, that one day that the full stature of Christ can be revealed in you. Until that time, he said, in your patience. How many knows it takes patience to possess our souls? And, and you know what? The Bible tells us that, um, that long-suffering um, uh, produces patience. We, all of that long-suffering, that, that's a process. That's what I'm trying to get at. It's a process of recovery. Even though your spirit is illuminated, it becomes a, it becomes a dwelling place of God's spirit renewed. The two have kissed and made up, and now they are residing in you. Your flesh has no real promises except to get it through God's purposes in life, whatever He's destined you to do. He'll prolong your life, keep you healthy, keep you healed, doing what He has to do to keep you, amen, in a place where you can actually um, do the work of God. That's in your flesh, your flesh body. And, and, and then, but your soul is the one, your, your mental capability, your will. That part that has been completely in control of satanic principles, God said, I'm going to change that, but it's going to take some time. That's why he said, in your patience, possess ye your souls. Then we find another scripture in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 4. I'll read this if you want to put it up there, it's okay. He said that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel or his soul in sanctification and honor. How to possess your soul. How are we going to possess that? It's going to, and it has to be in sanctification and honor. We, we've got goals. How many, how many can see that? We've got goals in our life that God has set for every one of you. You're going from something to somewhere. Amen. That something had no chance to make it anywhere in God until you had a visitation of grace. When that grace came in here, it gave you, amen, the permission now to, to take every promise in the book and say, I can accomplish everything that God's had me to do in my lifetime if I patiently possess my soul. Bring it under subjection to the Spirit of God. That's why he said, know ye not that you are servants to whom you yield your members to obey. He said, if you, if, you, if you yield them over to the flesh, you're going to reap of the flesh corruption. And if you yield them over to the Spirit, you will, you will reap of the, of the Spirit life etern, eternal, abundant life. Now, the, the, this is all up to the, the one in control in the center. We have the soul man here. We have the, the flesh lesson against the Spirit. These are contrary one to another. They're fighting one another for the possession, the full possession of your whole being. Amen. Spirit, soul, and body. The next scripture I want to read is 1 Thessalonians 5 and 3. He said, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul 
and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, we find here, now, this word is not H-O-L-Y, but we, we know that's what, that's, we, can't, we cannot uh, minimize that because that's all a part of God's plan, holiness. But what we're talking about is W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy, something that is made whole. He made us spirit, soul, and body. That's what we are whole in in this earth. However, it's, it's in a fallen state. And, and before salvation, we, were, we had no promises except that one day that God would give us an opportunity to come to him. And we did. We chose that. You chose wisely. I remember the day I chose. Oh, God, that was an overwhelming night. Amen. God not only, uh, not only saved me that night, but, amen, he allowed ministers to, to, to challenge my, everything that was within me, and there were seven demon spirits cast out of me the night I was saved. Completely cast out, delivered, if you, if you, if you please. And then he went on to another work. He filled me with the, with the Holy Spirit. It came into my spirit. And I'll tell you what, amen, I know this, a lot of theology don't, of that sort don't fit well because we're taught, you know, by our Christian standard, you get saved and you languish for a while and you finally get and realize you need to have another power because you can't make it on them. Then you begin to tarry for the Holy Ghost until you get it. I think we ought to get our new converts that come in and say, no, you don't have to go through all of that. You can have it all. This is the whole, this is the complete deal. Get filled with the Spirit tonight. I tell you what, I don't know if I'd have ever made it because I'm not going to go into all of the, the things I was, but I don't know if I could ever made that without the Spirit of God in me. Amen. I was able to walk out of there and didn't know anything about tongues. I didn't know nothing about that. It was a sign, amen, given to me. I was speaking in tongues, but I didn't understand it. In fact, that night when, when they were talking, praying for me to get filled with the Spirit, one was on one side and saying something, the other side, on the other side saying something, and they were encouraging me to let the Spirit speak. And I said, well, I don't know what they're talking about. <clears throat> I'm just off the street. All my life involved in Indian religions. Now I'm, I'm out of the dark world and all the possessions and shackled and chained brought into, and, into a house of deliverance, and they set me free. And, and here's people trying to uh, talk to me like I was already had a theological background and trying to talk to me like I knew all this terminology. I had no idea what they were talking about. In fact, when it happened to me, I felt something moving with inside of me. I didn't know that later on that the Bible was going to say, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And here God was beginning to move within me. And it, it, I was doubtful at first. I said, what is this I'm feeling? And all this time I'm, I'm thinking. And everybody's shouting in my ears trying to get me to do this and that. And I'm trying to say, what's going on? And then all at once, it began to come out. And I just wondered in myself. I said, what is this I'm thinking about? But I did hear one, some voice out there say, just let it go. Don't question it. <laughs> and so I just let her go. The first thing I know, I was speaking in tongues. Never been the same since. And this is where, where um, I came from. I know everybody has their own experience. But when we're talking about possessing you wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, we are in a complete 
program. The only thing that doesn't have um, the promises is our body. It has a better promise of changing its composition where it will never and never have to feed on earthly lifestyles, amen, to exist or to be satisfied. God said um, that, that, that our body is our last component. He said if, we, if we're here, amen, when the Lord comes to, 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 to establish the kingdom on earth, he said we're here, he said, well, he said, don't worry, we're going to be changed. He said, but we're going to let those that are dead go before us. <laughs> he said, they'll be changed first. And, amen, they'll receive the new body. And because the Spirit's now in complete harmony with God's Spirit. They're, they're, they're walking, amen, linked hand in hand. And now the body will be reformed and get, and get a, a, a new uh, advancement in life that will never know the, the things of the past that, that it had to go through. And he said, don't worry, that, and you that remain shall also be changed. Amen. Amen. In a, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, what part is changed? Our bodies. As long as we are in compliance with, with holy, uh, being sanctified in honor and glory to God. Amen. We are being transformed now in our will, our soul. Amen. Sometimes we still have a lot of trouble uh, before we leave home. It used to be our battlefield. Going to church. We was in church every night for I don't know how many years. Every night. We lived in Los Angeles. And Los Angeles had church services every night of the week. Revival going somewhere. And, and the people that we were, that we were placed under their covering to, to tutor us, they were mean. I mean, they, we thought they were mean. Um, boy, they wouldn't hardly let us sleep. Amen. They'd get us home by midnight, get up in the morning, go to work, get home in time just to shower and, and change clothes. they be... Honking the horn, let's go to church. I'm too tired, get over here. Boy, I mean, I tell you, uh, uh, they, they kept us going. But I look back and I appreciate it because I didn't, I didn't have a chance because God was moving me in a different environment. But anyway, holy, to be possessed holy. Let me go back to that scripture again, First Thessalonians. He said, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we're going to talk about three areas. The first area I'm going to apply these scriptures to is your personal life. I believe that every one of us only you can determine when you came into Christ and you began to walk in the kingdom. Some of you may have allowed ites to remain. Simply because you, you had no tutors. You didn't have an environment, a church environment that, was, that you were introduced to that was aggressive enough to, to identify these ites. And so many of us just allowed them, and going along on grace principles. And by and by, we, get, we, we, we find trouble spots in our lives. That's our personal. The second thing I, wanna, I want to uh, place this, 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 this teaching on is the church realm. What goes on in the church. The environment of the church. The body of people that God brings together in any given community. 
that he puts his approval on and says that you are going to be my expression of the kingdom of God in this city or in this kingdom or in this community. That's the second part. And then the third part is going to be a wider one. It, can, it, it, it involves around the land, the land that is around us. Is it still full of, 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 of ice that we haven't been able to free our, our, our community up simply because there are locked in, dug in areas of environments that we can't seem to break through? We can't seem to break through. We're doing it little by little because our teaching is getting more, is getting more defined. We're, we got teachers now. We got prophetic people that can come along and say, Thus saith the Lord, and change things. And our venues are often changed, amen, according to the prophetic input. And we have to, we have to comply with that. We have to go along with it. Whether we don't want, we, sometimes we don't want to because we're comfortable in zone. But we're, what we're looking about is the total recovery of God. And he left these examples. He said, don't let, he said, every time that people are going to use Proverbs, uh, he said, this is the proverb they're going to use, use against you. That as the mother was, so was her daughters. We have more definitions of that. We're not going to get into that right now, but there's a harlot system out there that has daughters. Called Babylon, Mystery Babylon, and her harlot daughters. Now, that's, that's a different outlook on it. I'm not going to press into that. I'm going to stay with it. But we know that the indictment came against Israel back then, and now they said, my God, we didn't know all of that. You mean all this time we were worshiping, sacrificing, having good times of, of good times during the kingdom periods where the righteous king ruled and where the righteous um, priest was able to function properly, but yet we had these ingredients and it finally caught up with us? 800 years it took? A lot of people say, well, I, don't, I don't understand why it took so long. Why didn't God just judge it right then? I like, the, what, I like, I like the, uh, the John Benefield's explanation of that. He says it's because God is full of mercy. He's always hoping that, amen, this you'll change tomorrow, the next day. Gives you a time and time. In fact, the Bible says in the, in, 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 in the book of Revelation, third chapter, he says that he, said he even gave Jezebel. A space to repent. And we look at, at that and he said, man, Jezebel, we read all the bad things about her representing um, the, the Asherah system, um, uh, the female counterpart of Baal worship in those days. And we, we condemn it. But God said, no, I gave her space to repent because he's a God of mercy. He said he's not willing that any should perish, that all should come. That's why a lot of times our, our journey is, is completely lengthened out ahead of us. Because God's merciful. God looks at you, but I guarantee you there will be a time that he'll say, no, it's time for me to deal with that. You're going to have to come forth now and face these or face the consequences. I'm not going to cause bad things to come upon you, but because you've allowed these things in your life to reside, the enemy has a right to amplify those things in your life. He has a right. You've given him that right. And until we get so miserable, you probably don't, won't know how to deal with it. So on a personal level, we're looking at that. Remember the next, the next uh, uh, understanding is the church-wide. How is the church moving in the spirit? Do we have ice in it? Not knowingly, 
someone said, well, how, how are we going to remedy? Well, after you get through, then, then there's, we have remedy. We've got an antidote for any expression <clears throat> that's within our church group. And then we can effectively um, go forth into land recovery. That's the bigger picture. Re- recovering all the land for the kingdom of God. <clears throat> so now here we're going to... Okay, nothing I want to add here is that <clears throat> no deliverance line, no matter how brilliant, how many deliverance ministries you have come, will be able to evict these that God says, no, you are to kill them. You are to utterly slay and destroy. There's some things in there that God says, no, deliver. You, might get, you might get delivered from habits. Someone come pray for you and get deliverance. But these rootites, he said, you're going to have to face them head on. And you're going to have to have to lay upon the altar of God and say, God, I didn't do it in the beginning, but now I'm going to do it. I refuse any more authority to the ites in my life. I hope we don't have any here. That's what I, I hope. But sometimes we get things stirred up. Uh, I was talking about this one time, and a <laughs> lady got so mad, she threw a shoe at me. Crap, <laughs> 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 we're going to walk. Look, there's a high heel there. And um, sometimes you stir things up. But I, I'm, I'm, that, that was a different environment. We won't have that here. I hope you all got um, tennis shoes on. <laughs> but that was quite an experience for me. I remember one time I was, pre- was preaching in, up in um, British Columbia. Was laying, this is during, I don't know if you remember Jim Jones. Uh, uh, some of the older ones might remember him. But I, I preached on his trail. <laughs> He'd go into the state of Washington and into uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, gathering young people. He'd go in there and I'll go in behind him and preach against him. <laughs> and, um, and, and one time we had gone into a village um, on the... On the um, west side of the big island of Vancouver, an Indian village called Euclid. And we was over there preaching because they, he had come over and recruited a lot of kids out of there. Had them on a big Greyhound bus, taking them around on his, uh, on his uh, journeys. And um, we went there, and boy, we were laying down the principles. And, and I told him, I said, I told him, I said, he's a false prophet. And, and boy, I was bold back then. He's a false prophet, and you're, you're going to, Split hell wide open, you know. I said, if you go that way. I was talking rough to them, you know. And one lady got up. Boy, she was chewing gum fast, you know. She looked at me and she said, well, just who in the hell are we supposed to believe? <laughs> I hope we're mature here tonight. <laughs> that word's in the Bible, so you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> And, uh, and, and but that was the mentality that back then we we had to root out a lot of things. In fact, we we, we rescued um, two young couple. Uh, we actually trailed them down um, the interstate in Washington, the state of Washington. They were going back to California, and when they pulled in a big rest area, there was two buses and a, a lot of um, vans. We pulled in there behind them, and we they was all going to to the um, rest area. 
And we spotted those two. We just act like we were, you know, part of the tourist. Uh, stopped there, and we, we got close, and they recognized us. We, we went like this, and they come over. And they said, get us out of here. Get us, we don't want to go. I said, well, get in the car. Before they knew it, they got in the car. We jumped in and just drove off. I don't know when they ever realized they were missing, but we took them back home. And um, it's probably a good thing because later on they went down to and, and got all committed suicide down there. All right, let's go on. He said, remember that, that these things has to be delivered because you're going to have to do some slaying in your life. Okay, now let's go here into the seventh chapter of Deuteronomy. I try to I try to be as expressive as I can because I did a lot of study over the years over these and um, because I realized the church was in trouble, that, um, that most of the ites still reside in our, in our many types of fellowship around the country. So let's look at um, verse 1 again. When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest to possess, to possess it and hath cast out Many nations before thee, the Hittites. Okay, now I got these out of Strong's Concordance. You can go back and get them yourself. And some some words um, weren't, um, they're not really defined because they're not Hebraic. They're not Hebraic words. But these happen to be, whoever the researchers were in Strong's, researched their meaning of their names out, probably from other nations that they were deprived from. Uh, or that they, they, they were uh, they were strung out from, and and they brought them. That's where I got the names at. And I began to study those names. That my God, those are those are things that I think it's important we need to analyze because you know God uses every means for us to explore as we go forward. I mean, He gives us revelation of every kind to keep us going. Um, uh, now we're into Bible coding. And um, some of you, I think Brother Eric's probably seen some of the Bible codes by uh, John, uh, John Edens out of, the, out of the, uh, uh, our gatherings at the Church on the Rock. And, well, he takes a lot of the numerical values because Hebraic words are all have a numeric number attached to it. And every, every Hebrew word, there's a, a corresponding um, uh, a numerical number there. And then when you begin to decode them, you put the numbers together and also the Hebraic. And boy, I tell you what, what comes out of that is so, is so uh, it'll blow your mind. I'm not going to try to explain all that because I don't understand everything. But I do know that we, there is many types of revelation that God is opening it to us to understand how we can totally possess the land for the kingdom of God. And so Hittite, the word Hittite means dominating Lordship, loathing, authority. Well, we met, we read that in Hittite, didn't we? Your mother is Hittite. She said, who loatheth her husband. Remember that in the 16th chapter of Ezekiel? He said, your mother was an Amorite, or Hittite, who loatheth her husband. And her daughters do the same thing. So that was the description of their name. It means, again, dominating, lordship, loathing, authority. That's the definition of a Hittite. Now this, if we have not killed the ite, this ite in our lives, 
and it is still in our possession, sooner or later you're going to find marks of it rising within the congregation. Well, within yourself first. Let's, let's apply it to ourselves. You're going to loathe authority. You're going to seek lordship. You're going to, you're going to be dominating in, in your nature, using probably many good things in the word of God but twisting them to where you're not no more, that you're not no more expressing the true wisdom of taking dominion and having lordship in the sense that God wants to apply it, but sometimes you're still working that in the church. How many can see what I'm talking about? We can exercise those things if we have not, Allow these, kill these ites in the beginning. If we allow them because there's some parts of it that we say, we thought, well, there's not all, some of it is salvageable, some of it is redeemable. So let's just let it go. Let's, uh, and, and actually, because I'll be doing more of the Lord's work anyway. But 800 years later it took, and how much, how much longer is going to take for you if you have this, for this to begin to come forward and show up? You begin to, you begin to dominate. It could be your, your brothers, your sisters. It could be working into your own authority within the church. It could be sneaking in the back door. Manipulation. All of these things are part of the Hittite spirit. The next one is Gergeshites. Gergeshites means unruly or an unbridled tongue. An unbridled tongue. Now, let me just say the Hittite um, is number one, dominating spirit. And it responds to the Hittite. Let me see if I got that written down here somewhere. Should have. Yeah, that's, it, it would be number three. Well, I'm, let, let me get through this, and I'll get back to it. I don't want to, I don't want to, to kind of cut short my thoughts on it. So Hittite, this one is a Gergeshite. The Gergeshite means an unruly and unbridled tongue. Now, only you can identify that if that is an ite still lingering in your life. I could probably, in time, find out what it is because of your reactions to certain things. Or else, prophetically, a prophet may come and, and point you out and say, you've got an unruly, unruly tongue, you're unbridled. You, you, don't have, you have not, you're still a wild horse. You haven't submitted your, your, your allegiance to someone who wants to take care of you. There's... there's the wild horse and the and the horse that's been tamed. There's a lot of difference in the two. Uh, wild horses don't have near the longevity in life as they do those that are brought in to be cared for, changed, fed right, groomed, given a job to do. But the first thing they have to yield is their mouth. They yield it to the bridle. 
And that bridle is able to, like a small rudder upon a large ship. You turn that little rudder, it turns the whole ship. It has the power to do that. The Bible compares the bridle as the same way. You can put that bridle under the submission of those that are, that are, 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 are working for the, to, to make something out of you. Then first thing you do is bridle your tongue. He said the, the tongue is one of the most unruly members of our bodies. Can we, can we tame it, the Bible says? Can, or we, can we tame that tongue? Uh, I'll tell you what, unless you subject it, your ites in the beginning, probably you're going to have trouble, trouble with it. There's always that, that room. Yakety yak. Everything that happens. Can't wait to get in their corners, you know, and to start whispering. That's the utterance of Satan himself, the muttering, the, the whispers. And after a while, things are out of control. And um, remember, I, I talked about the four sins that crucified Christ. That was, that was one of them. That was one of them. That, that was malicious gossip. Um, Luke, Luke 23 and 1. He said the whole council came together and they accused Jesus. Well, they had no truth. They had no proof of anything. Even Pilate told them that. Pilate said, I can't find nothing wrong in this man. But yet they conspired and through malicious gossip. I've seen whole lives in my 48 years of ministry. I've seen countless lives destroyed because of the unruly tongue, unbridled tongue. And, that, that's, and so a Gergesite represents an unruly and unbridled tongue. Pray that this is not a part of a personal life here. And later on, pray that it's not a part of our church. And pray that we can, we can go and evict these in our land efforts to, to secure the land for God. Then we have another one. It's called the Amorite. The Amorite is pride. Pride. Now, we're dealing with pride because um, God has given us the authority over the waterways. The waterways are, is the is the base of operation in the natural sense, and that also is a spiritual force, where the, what we call the, um, the spirit Leviathan. The Bible tells us that the, the sea is the playground of Leviathan, that, that serpent, and that, that, um, is, that you can't hardly destroy except through the sword of the spirit. And, um, and, and all of the waterways, belong to him um, every river that's why we got we're dealing with the land issues out in western oklahoma because we a temple there was found dedicated unto baal worship how did it get there no helicopter took them in no airplane airdropped them in this was way back bc 87 bc i believe they were on track to and what happened was the only logical way which is truthful now that we understand um, that the, the many uh, uh, pilgrimages that the old world made up the river system, across the ocean, up the Mississippi, to the Arkansas, to the Cimarron, which at one time was a large river. It was not just a little runoff stream fed by springs and runoff as it is today. At one time it cut canyons all the way out, forcing its way through probably for thousands of years before that. But the geologists say that something happened, maybe an earthquake or a tremor or something that changed the course of that river. 
and out and becomes a small river. But not before these mariners was able to find the perfect place to plant the ingredients to, to invade America, America with Baal worship. And so uh, when we're looking at the Amorites, this, the pride comes out of these rivers, out of these rivers. Um, uh, a lot of time we, we hear the word Indian pride. They got to be proud. You know, they got to be proud. And I, I went along with that long time till God began to work with me into deliverance. And I began to understand different aspects of it. Like I said before, and this, I believe I, I made comments on it, there's two kinds of pride. There's a righteous pride, and there is one that's been degraded by Adam and that we inherited. And we get that pride from the waterways. Our waterways started in the birth canal, in the womb section of a church that was already destined to carry the genes of a fallen race. When it was born, it was born by water. And ever since then, it's been a rule. Waterways implanted within our DNA, Leviathan in his work, and that was pride. Now, a lot of people say, well, we've got to have pride in something, pride in our basketball team, our football team. And, um, and, and I, I'm not going to judge those. You're going to have to understand what it is, you know, to how far you can take it. But there is a righteous pride, a pride that, that God displayed in the times of the book of Job, which is the oldest book in the Bible. The oldest book in the Bible. And back then he recorded, um, he recorded um, uh, uh, that, that he had his grand council in the heavens. And Satan was also invited. He was a fallen angel, but yet he was a, still a part of the, the, the sessions that God called together. And God began to brag about Job. He said, How do you, what do you think about my man Job? Man, he eschews evil. He does good. He honors me. He loves me. And I love him. And he had really good things to say about Job. And then Satan turns around and said, yes, yeah, because you have, you have built a hedge around him. He said, if you just let me in that hedge, break it down for a minute. He said, I'll make Job curse you. But God knew Job's heart. But my point here is this, is that, is that Satan knew that everything that God had value, that if he could operate and come in and bring that pride back in to what he was, Job never did get into that. Thank you. Job never got into that. He got into the position where, where he debased himself rather than let pride lift him up. He got more humble before God. Though God slay me, yet I'll trust him. Oh, what a... In his, his boils and all his family being killed, his wealth taken away, he stayed before God and, not, and lit, did not allow that false pride to come and demand deliverance. He just said, God knows what he's doing. A lot of times we, we run into the same thing. So the Amorite is pride. That the father of the Hittite. Or he was the father and he, the Hittite was the mother. In, according to Ezekiel 16. Pride. Today Israel is full of pride in the natural. We know that one day they'll be humbled. And they'll say blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. But at this time, they're still ruled by pride. 
They're still ruled by the, the, the old law. Uh, you can go down, I think the first time we went into, into Israel, we went down on the western wall there, the Wailing Wall, and we prayed there. And then later on, they invited me and Nigel to go back and, and to look at the rooms where all the rabbis gather and they argue the word of God. Because we couldn't tell what they were saying, but we knew they were very argumentative. And we went back there and looked around and got our eyes full and left. But, um, but what they were doing, they were, you could display, they were displaying pride in what they were. I mean, they were scholars. They, every one of them was a scholar in his own right. And they were defending themselves with their understanding of the, of the, of the word of God. And so uh, pride comes into religion the same way. It, it, it's, it's landlocked. I tell you, it's landlocked in many denominations today. Bless God, I'm born of this and that, and I'll die this and that. I'm proud of what I am. That's a false pride. And that's, that's what's keeping, that, that's what's birthing the, the, the church and the, and the definition as we see it through the Amorite inheritance and also the Hittite. Now let's go on. Canaanites is hypocrisy hypocrisy and these are just definitions hypocrite hypocrite saying one thing and doing another uh, um, demanding from others something that you can't do yourself hypocritical always criticizing something because it, 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 it's more worthy or than that you are or what you're doing and so you get back at it something has to you have to find some fault in it this is um, hypocrisy. And it goes on into um, the Canaanite or the um, Perizzite. It means an independent or to separate. To separate. I used to pride, pride myself in my early years as I was an independent. Uh, I came out of a denomination. My wife and I both was in a system. And... Um, it's a strong system. And, um, and they, were, they were making slaves out of us. Uh, no freedom. They had a ceiling as high as we could go. Signed on the dotted line. And I was under that system for many, many years. And um, I could get anywhere with God until God began to speak to me about coming out. Then when I finally came out, I went overboard. I went <laughs> the balance too far out. I, I become an independent. I don't need nobody. Since I'm free from that, I am now independent. I'm free. I'm free. I'm out here like, a, like that wild horse that had no bridle. Amen. I, the good times, yes, I roamed the, the, the prairie, ate good grass, and had good water. But there's not always good times. Times there's drought. Time we had to forage. We had to eat things we never thought we could, could eat to stay alive. While we looked over and saw some of the horses in the corral, well-fed, beautiful, well-groomed, plenty of water, people that loved them. That's what I was. I got so independent out there that I was running wild and getting thin. I was running into hard times. Then God began to bring people to my, into, my, into my fellowship. I learned a lot of this from Ern Baxter out in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, when he was still out there. I learned the first real body messages 
of how we need one another and how we are connected one to another, that we can't be independent. We, can't be, we, can't, we cannot be loners out here and expect to live a good lifestyle and fulfilling the, the Word of God. So I had, to, I had to wrestle with that. And here I had already made all my declarations. I'm free, bless God, I don't need no one to tell me what to do. But after a while, God began to put me in connections with men of God everywhere. Went to Denver, pastored a church there for almost nine years. Had a mixed congregation. And um, they treated me well. They, they loved me. Took care of me. We went out to Golden and built a church there. And what a, what a congregation we had. Going forward with the talk of the town. Because back then, segregation was still apart. The blacks had their church. The Mexicans had their church. The Indians had no church. <laughs> and, and, and whites had their church and there was no mingling. Oh, once in a while they'd break down and have a little fellow, but they scattered back. Back in the 60s, there was nothing like we see today. But we were the first one to become integrated. And we were the talk of the town. People said, how can you do that? I said, I don't know. We didn't orchestrate it. We didn't choose our way. But we got tired of being independent. We had to, to be dependent upon one another. In the spirit of God. We have to realize that, that God, God does have, he has an infrastructure. That there are such things, amen, as order, amen, and things that, 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 that God set in place where we come back to and we obey them scripturally. Then we're not independent anymore. We're dependent upon the whole body of Christ as it supplies to every need, as it has need. Uh, I'll tell you what's a wonderful story about the body. Can you say amen? And it goes on to say, the Hevites. Now, actually, these were the descendants of Eve. And it means self-trust. This is where she, she went wrong in the garden. Instead of trusting her covering and the advice that they received from God, she went the other way and said, no, I'm going to trust my own um, intuition. I'm going to trust what I feel is right. Outside of my covering, outside of the man who God placed over me, I'm going to trust myself. And that's what Eve means, self-trust. These are descendants, Evites are the descendants of Eve. And then it goes on to Jebusites. Jebusites means natural discernment. Natural discernment. I had a tough one with this one to try to put it all into, into, into a definition. But then it began quite easy. I said, yes, amen. We we're, we're, are now, God's propelling us into another phase of spiritual activity. Now, if you're still on level one in, in, in salvation and plan of God, don't worry. Um, you gonna have to. There's no shortcuts. You gonna have to evolve just like we did. You're gonna have to come up. But the church is being set into more spiritual activity than it's ever been. We're gonna have to understand that natural discernment has no part of what we're that God is projecting in the world. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to trust the Spirit of God. And of course, He never, He don't operate outside His own Word. We know that. If you really want to understand what discernment you need to go, just get back in here and look in and begin to study. God will begin to show you exactly what needs to be discerned in the spirit. But natural discernment 
Amen. When we look out here, we can make all kinds of discernments on persons that we know. Uh, first thing you know, you got him judged. <laughs> You've got everything. Yeah, I know that guy. <laughs> you can't fool me. <laughs> you got him already locked into a corner, and he don't know what to do. He's, and he's trying his best to break out, but we've already naturally discerned him because of what he was before. We never realize that we are new, creature, new creatures in Christ Jesus. That when we come in, yes, we're baby creatures, but we're, we are to evolve from that. We are to go forward and grow out of the need of milk and to meat. Amen. All of these things are developments of the, of the Spirit of God as we go forward. So you got, the thing we've got to understand is that no natural discernment. No natural discernment. Now, in these last, I think I've got about eight minutes here before um, we'll take a break. But I want to establish this before we go. Talk, turn with me to Proverbs, the sixth chapter. Have I still got your attention here? Okay. Proverbs 6. Let me see where we're at here. Okay, let's look at verse um, 16. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. And heart that deviseth wicked imagination. Feet that be swift in running to mischief. A false witness that speaketh lies. And he that soweth discord among brethren. Here are seven things. And, and I'm going to labor at this for just a few minutes. So that you can um, understand that these six things that the Lord hates are actually the ites that we're talked about. Their definitions are the same. Okay, let's look at, let's look at um, uh, number one, a proud look. Now that corresponds to number three, an Amorite. An Amorite. And... Uh, the second one, a lion tongue. And it corresponds to Gergeshite. Number three is hands that shed innocent blood corresponds to a Hittite. Heart that devises wicked imagination corresponds to Evites, natural discernment. Feet that be swift in running to mischief, Jebusite. False witness that speaketh lies, Canaanite, hypocrisy. 
He that soweth discord among the brethren, parasite, parasite. Now these, these seven things that God hates. It's no wonder that God told the Israelites, when you go into this land, there are seven nations stronger than you, mightier than you. He said, you're to utterly destroy. Say, don't leave not one of them standing. I hate them. They're trespassers, and I don't want you to evict them. I want you to destroy them completely. We know they didn't. Now God is becoming more definitive. And he's saying, these six things that I hate, yea, seven, is an abomination. Now, all of these ites are the things that have been causing trouble in many, many groups of saved people throughout our nation, the world. Because when we entered in, into our promised land, we did not take time to slay and to destroy these different ites. I want you to know today that we're going to have an opportunity to not only repent of them, but we're going to have a, it'll be a, dra- a drastic house cleaning. But at the same time, you're not going to leave you, yourself empty. Because the Bible says, when an unclean spirit goeth out of a man, he walketh in dry places, seeking rest. Finding none, he said, I will return to my house whence I have come. And he goes and finds it empty, swept, and garnished. Still empty. When we get rid of ites, you're empty. But then, what's next? What would have happened if they went back and, and, and found that vessel full of the spirit activity of Jesus Christ? Well, he would have had no room to come in. See, that's the, many times that's the mistake that we made. We make that mistake to where we're, we don't quite empty ourselves, but we keep things just in case, justify ourselves. In closing, when I went through 37 years of ministry to our native people and refused to minister among non-native people, I was not comfortable. I did not like the atmosphere. I couldn't get along. I thought. That was just in my mind. And people treated me good, but that was in my thought. I was... I had all these ites working against me. Until deliverance came. When the reconciliation came, and that day on the, on the Washita massacre site, when John Benefield and others were standing there, and they came to him, put their arms around me and cried, and they said, how can you ever forgive us for what our ancestors did here? I tried to change the subject and said, no, you had nothing to do with it. It's not your fault. And then God spoke to me. He said, son, it's time to let it go. These things have rooted in your life and it's destroying you. He said, give heartfelt, Holy Spirit convicted forgiveness. He said, and see what happens. And I did. When I gave that forgiveness... This whole weight and load lifted off me. Just like I was in a newborn 
position. Now this afternoon, this afternoon I'm going to conclude this and we're going to find those seven things that needs to be in your life so that the enemy has no space in us. All right, we're going to take the break here.